Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash bpshow, patreon.com slash bpshow. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash Show. Yes, indeed. Uh, The fires in California get worse. And Puerto Rico, still only 16 percent of the island has power back. And yet Donald Trump is attacking Puerto Rico again this morning. Hello, everybody. What do you say on a Thursday, October 12th? It's good to be with you. Great to see you. Thank you for joining us. The Bill Press Show live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital and our studio on Capitol Hill, right in the heart of the action in the shadow of the Capitol Dome. And we'll bring you up to date on all the news of the day, such as it is here in Washington. President uh, Trump, I keep saying President Obama, I wish, I wish. Uh, President Trump bouncing out to Harrisburg yesterday to uh, make more noise about tax reform. Uh, which is not going to happen. All he wants to do is cut taxes for the rich anyhow, no matter what he says. Uh, But uh, Congress is going to get that done, no more than they got the repeal of Obamacare done. Meanwhile, uh, Donald Trump wants to rip the license away from NBC News because he didn't like something that they reported. Uh, That's the way it works, right? If you don't like a story you read in the newspaper, if you don't like a story you see on television, uh, you take their license away. Uh, that's that's just kind of the way it is. And uh, today, Trump is going to sign an executive order which is going to further gut Obamacare. If he can't do it in Congress, he's determined he will sabotage it bureaucratically by executive order. All of that coming up. We want to hear from you. What do you think about the news of the day? Be nice. Be kind. At BP Show. Send us your comments. But first. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. We will start where we always start this week. Sports. Sports. From the sports test. How the Washington Nationals. Game four against the Chicago Cubs. What a day of drama yesterday as they announced they were switching their starting pitcher. Tanner Roark back to Steven Strasburg, who they had originally said was too sick to pitch. Yeah, Dusty Baker just messed that up, right? You know, he- I mean, there are two look. There are two different ways to look at it. Uh, either it was just like sloppy, or it was mind games. No right. matter how you look at it, you have to say 
the rap that Steven Strasburg is sort of a weak guy, I think, can now be dead because he came out and he pitched the game of say, his life last uh, night. The other thing that matters is the game that he pitched. And he yeah. pitched he pitched a gem Ooh, of a game last night. It was a game. close game up until the top of the ninth. The Nationals had the bases loaded, and here comes Michael A. Taylor. On the swing and a high fly ball. Right center field. Hap going back. Way back at the wall. He leaps and it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's a grand slam home run for Michael Taylor. A grand slam for the Nationals at the top of the eighth. The Chicago Cubs could not answer that. Final score was five to nothing. So it comes back here for a decisive game five tonight, eight o'clock PM Eastern Time. What a game that's going to be. Yeah, it's going to suck. I mean, the, the it's going to be wild. Wrigley Field was stunned last night, rightfully so. But you know, they had opportunities to score earlier. The Cubs did, and they didn't. You know, Look, they, th- this this game really uh, has come down to lack of hitting on both teams. The Nationals, the only reason they won uh, a couple of their games or their their first game was because Bryce Harper and Ryan Zimmerman got hot. Like in the, I think it was the eighth inning again. Yeah, when this happened. But for the most part, I mean, they had like six hits. Besides those, last night they got five hits. So, right. like, unless there be any doubt, I'm rooting for for the Nats tonight. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, we love the Nats here in Washington D.C. You know what Colorado loves? They love marijuana. Weed. They love marijuana. Well, they announced that their 2017 marijuana sales have reached one billion dollars in just eight months. Just to give you a little <laughs> bit of perspective, last year they they crossed a billion dollars. But it took them 10 months. So it's not like the popularity of weed is declining in Colorado. Step you know, off the damn weed. <laughs> All right. <laughs> By the way, on, on the Las Vegas Strip last weekend, mm, the nice smell of marijuana now that Nevada's a pot. On your radio, on TV. And online, this is the Bill Press Show. On a Thursday, October 12, hello everybody, Uh, great to see you today, and welcome. Welcome to the Bill Press Show. You're joining us, we're joining you wherever you happen to be in this great country of ours. We start out in Washington, D.C., but we end up right alongside of you online, on the radio, on television. You can't escape us. Uh, So, check it out. Online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Take a look at us on Free Speech. Uh, you've got uh, Direct TV. You'll find us there on Free Speech TV and out in the greater Chicago area. Thank you for joining us on the Progressive Voice of Chicago, the Progressive uh, Foghorn of Chicago, uh, WCPT, and in uh, the state of Indiana, Indiana Talks. Right. Great to see you today with lots to talk about. Uh, Donald Trump wanting to yank the license, he says, from NBC News because he didn't like a story that they uh, that they um, broadcast about something he may or may not have said about nukes and probably did. Roy Moore, yeah, the Republican nominee for Senate in Alabama, revealed he basically, he's been milking, milking a charity for millions of dollars, even though he said he never took a penny from them. Uh, well, we said he was the Donald Trump of Alabama, so he can tell a lie as big as Donald Trump can tell, that's for <laughs> sure. 
Uh, where else do we go? Yes, indeed. Um, you won't believe this, but the Boy Scouts now are saying they want some girls to join. They're opening their membership up to girls. The Girl Scouts are not too happy with this. It's a big battle now between the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts, and we'll get into that. Again, great to have you with us. Send us your comments on Twitter on the news of the day, at BP Show. We start out with the update on the California fires. They are getting worse. It's hard to believe, but after, what, almost a week, they are getting worse, not better, not, not getting contained. Uh, in Napa County, the big fire, and in Santa Rosa, which was so badly hit, um, and I have many friends there, as we've talked about. Uh, the, those two fires are only 3% contained. Winds up to 70 miles an hour still, no rain, and they are worried that the fires will merge before they're able to, to contain them. 23 dead so far, over 4,500 homes and businesses destroyed. And again, what's remarkable about this fire and tragic about this fire is that these are these are homes and businesses and you know restaurants and shops and a Trader Joe's and a high school that are right inside the city limits of Santa Rosa. These are not out in the woods. These are in the in the town downtown uh, Santa Santa Rosa. Uh, Jerry Brown yesterday saying, Governor Jerry Brown, uh, that um, you know th- with climate change, th- this is what we're going to be seeing more of. You got to get ready uh, to deal with this situation, and then prepare uh, for others who will follow in the years to come. Yeah, it is really true. And I heard from several friends yesterday, as far away as Berkeley. They said, you know, you, the 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 smoke in Berkeley and in San Francisco. Another call from a friend in San Francisco last night, just uh, making it very hard to breathe there. Very, very, very heavy smoke coming from those fires, which are maybe fifty, fifty. 60 miles away. It's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, the pictures that are coming out of there. Oh, yeah. I mean, good grief. And, and I mean, not that this is the most important thing in California, but the, the pictures of the iconic Disneyland with this orange sky behind it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Right. That's, yeah, that's right. On. We've talked about the Northern California fires, but Southern California fires, Anaheim Hills, which is right with the yeah. Disneyland fire, uh, is also out of control. Um and meanwhile, um, lest we forget, it's been three weeks since uh, Hurricane Maria hit uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, no, was it? Yeah, it was three yeah, weeks. It was Maria. It was Maria, Maria yeah. right? Yeah. Maria. Um, we tend to have forgotten about Puerto Rico, right? Um, Donald Trump forgot about it for two, two weeks for sure. Well, it's hard to forget about it if you never acknowledge it. But as of today, uh, now the death toll has gone up to 45 yeah, aren't they lucky only 45 died? Yeah, they thank you, see, Donald Trump. It's a real catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, and only 16% of the island has power back so far. By the way, as you as you say that story, as you give that story, 45 dead, mm-hmm. all those people, two minutes ago, Donald Trump tweeted, we cannot keep FEMA, the military, and the first responders who have been amazing under the most difficult circumstances in PR, Puerto Rico, forever. So basically, he's saying we're getting out. We're getting out. Yeah, and he also has still been talking about the fact that they didn't pay their bills. It's their own damn fault, right? Because the response and recovery effort probably has never been seen for something like this. This is an island <laughs> surrounded by 
water. What kind of water? Big water. 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 Oh, ocean water. Big water. Whoa, whoa, ocean water. 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 <laughs> no, he's just an ass. I mean, there, yeah. there's there's just a time to to try and score political points, and there's a time to be the president of the United States where you got to be a no. shoulder for people. No. no, no, no. And like to pick a petty fight with Puerto Rico no. when they don't Crazy. have power and their people are dying. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump picking uh, another petty fight uh, yesterday uh, on on the media. Of course, this is nothing new for Donald Trump to attack the media, but he's got a new target. Uh, so, of course, he has already said CNN, disgusting, disgraceful, fake news, total fake news. Uh, CNN's been his primary target in the in the broadcast media, uh, and then also the Washington Post and the failing New York Times. Um, you know, he, th- he thinks they're nothing but uh, fake news as well. Well, his latest target, of course, is NBC News, because NBC reported uh, on a July 20 meeting at the Pentagon. Several sources who were in that meeting, military leaders, talked to uh, NBC, and they recounted that this was a very tense meeting. Uh, by the way, Jim Mattis was there, Defense Secretary, and Rex Tillerson was there, the Secretary of State, uh, a very tense meeting, and Donald Trump was basically just out of control. Uh, it was a, supposedly a review of all the national security situations where our military is involved. Uh, Donald Trump went uh, ape, uh, you know what, uh, over uh, Afghanistan. Why are we still there? We shouldn't be there anymore. I want to fire everybody who's in charge in Afghanistan and uh, blah, blah, blah. And the, according to NBC, the military leaders who spoke to NBC were shocked, appalled, uh, dismayed by the lack of um, his his unwillingness to listen and his lack of knowledge that, about what was going on. That doesn't sound exactly like Trump. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. And then, reportedly, they talked about the state of our nuclear weapons. And according to NBC, uh, Donald Trump said, that's not good enough. Uh, I want to increase our nu- nu- We don't have enough nukes. I want to increase the arsenal by tenfold. Ten times what we've got right now. Okay, Donald Trump insisting. He never said that. James Mattis, he, he, he forced James Mattis to come out and said Donald Trump never said that. But after saying that, that's when Rex Tillerson famously now turned to somebody and said he's a total moron. Yeah. He's a moron. Well, so, he's an effing moron depending on who F- you That's believe. right. He's an effing <laughs> moron. Right. So, I mean, it, it, first of all, you can't <laughs> – the president unilaterally, thank God – Cannot just increase our nuclear arsenal. It's true. At one time, we had 30,000 in the middle height of the Cold War, 30,000 nuclear Good warheads. Grief. Today, thanks to all the treaties signed by first Bush, second Bush, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, it's down now to 1,550 nuclear warheads that we have and that the Russians have. And that's, that's the latest START treaty. It's settled off of that. But when Donald Trump was given those numbers, he saw we went from 30 down to 1,500. He, that's when he reportedly said uh, that uh, we ought to increase it by ten, ten, tenfold. Fake news. Fake news. Donald Trump saying, no, 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 I never. So yesterday when he was uh, at the White House a meeting with uh, Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada, in the little pool spray, Donald Trump says, no, I never said that. All I said was we, we need to modernize our force. We won't need an increase, but I want modernization and I want total rehabilitation. It's got to be in tip-top shape. Tip-top.
top shape. Yes. Every tip one of them. Top shape. That's a new one. I, I haven't know. heard that I one from him. I haven't heard that either, yeah. He's pretty predictable. Tip That's top, tip top, tip top, tip or, top shape. And what does that mean? It means, Donald Trump says, perfect, perfect shape. I never discussed. I think somebody said I want 10 times the nuclear weapons that we have right now. Right now we have so many nuclear weapons. I want them in perfect condition, perfect shape. That's the only thing I've ever discussed. Yeah, right. So, so then, this, but, by the way, is not the first time we've heard about him mishandling the the nuclear arsenal that we have. No, nor insulting the Pentagon. Nor, nor insulting the Pentagon. Right. Fair. Yeah. So, uh, so Trump now. So NBC put us this report. Donald Trump says it's not true, but the consequences for Donald Trump are he's going to rip the license away from NBC News. He said they shouldn't be able to write just anything. General Mattis put out a statement or is putting out a statement saying that that was fake news, that it was just mentioned that way. And it's frankly disgusting the way the press is able to write whatever they want to write. Oh, so the press, get that. The press is able to write whatever they want to write. You know what that that means. Donald Trump wants to be able to control everything that is written or broadcast, right? If we don't like it or if we don't approve it ahead of time, are we talking Russia here? Are we, you know, I mean, this is, are we talking North Korea? You know, y- y- this y- is insane. Y- you make that, that leap, right? But th- there's been some talk for a while about what Donald Trump really thinks the presidency is and what he really wants to get out of the presidency. And he is such a media slug. He just, he doesn't yeah. care about policy. He doesn't care about politics. He doesn't care about helping the country. He doesn't care about helping people. He just wants to mix it up with the media. And that's all yeah. he's ever wanted to do. Even when he was a famous businessman, all yeah. he really wanted to do was get his name in the papers and on TV. And so would Donald Trump want to have the final say in what the media can print and put out there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. Totally. Completely. Absolutely. Yeah, right. That's what he wants more than anything else in the world. So, uh, uh, I, and and what he wants, of course, too, is media that kisses his ass all the time, yeah. like Fox News and especially like Sean Hannity, which is the Trump report every night. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. In fact, there's a report today, I forget, Politico somewhere, that, that Donald Trump actually calls Sean Hannity almost every night after his show. To tell him, yeah, I like this, I like that, and they talk about it. And last and night, supposedly rambles and repeats himself. Yeah, which uh, if wow, you thought Donald sound... Trump had a mental health problem, <laughs> there it is. Uh, if wow, that doesn't sound like Trump. <laughs> first of all, if he's calling Sean Hannity, he has a mental health problem. Yeah. Um, so last night, after he goes out to Harrisburg and talks about tax reform, uh, aka tax cuts for the wealthy, uh, he sits down with an interview. With Sean Hannity, of course, and they have the studio audience, and right away, of course, both of them are talking about everybody else except Sean Hannity is fake news. You know, it's interesting. If I was just watching television, you don't know whether or not, because, you know, you're just watching a report. But when you're the one being written about, you know if it's good or bad, and it's always, they try and make it negative. So the media has turned that, I call it fake media. It's fake. Fake It's so much fake news. And we you have to agree understand. with that fake news. When people read things, they can understand that so much of it is indeed fake. Uh, 
Get out of here. How low in your life do you have to be to show up to a taping of Sean Hannity interviewing Donald Trump? And sit and clap and cheer like a friggin' seal. So Donald Trump did say, uh, he he put out a tweet yesterday saying, uh, raising the uh, possibility of yanking the license away from NBC, having the FCC take their license away, which, by the way, uh, they can't do anyhow because (laughs) the FCC licenses... TV stations or radio stations, it does not license the networks. Right after Thank our show, God. right after our show ended yesterday, he put out a tweet. He says, "With all of the fake news coming out of NBC and the networks, at what point is it appropriate to challenge their license?" Yeah, bad for country. Former liberal CNN, MSNBC, fake news host Bill Press, <laughs> fake, fake news host. He went on again, by the way. He, he this is not just like a, a, an off the cuff thing. Yesterday afternoon, he went on again to say network news has become so partisan, distorted and fake that licenses must be challenged and if appropriate revoked. Not fair to public. Yeah. Here's the question, okay? So you've got I don't know, half a dozen generals, military officers who told NBC what happened at that meeting, what Donald Trump said about wanting to increase our nuclear arsenal by 10 times. And then you've got Donald Trump denying he ever said it. Who do you believe? It's just like, who do you believe, Bob Corker or Donald Trump? Why would you believe Donald Trump about anything? He's told so many lies. So in this case, trust me, NBC's got it right. Believe me. Believe me. <sighs> NBC's, NBC's got it right. Hey, a couple of other things. Um, in the news today, Donald Trump... Uh, he, of course, has not been able to uh, get uh, his Republican toads in Congress to repeal Obamacare. He promised to do it, so he is determined that he's going to sabotage the program as much as he can uh, bureaucratically through executive order and through r- new rules, new regulations. Uh, we are, we've already seen last week that he rolled back the protections for women on contraception, uh, signing an order that said it's uh, that businesses can basically come up with any excuse whatsoever, including religion, to drop contraception from uh, uh, the health insurance policies that they provide for their employees. Uh, Today, he's going to sign um, another executive order, uh, which says that companies can band together, small businesses can band together to offer low-cost insurance plans to healthy people only, which means, of course... That is, the healthy people leave the system, then insurance is going to get that much more expensive for anybody who's got any kind of an illness in their family or any kind of a pre-existing condition, thereby, again, undercutting one of the most important provisions of Obamacare. Uh, Donald Trump is going to sign that. So when he says Obamacare is in a death spiral, it's not. But they're doing everything they can. He is doing everything he can to put it in a death spiral, and therefore, and then be able to say, I told you so, I told you so. Uh, the only answer is, you know, can we, can, can, we, can we just survive long enough before he's gone and then, uh, and then repair and renew uh, Obamacare? Watch for that uh, today. Our friend uh, Congressman Al Green from uh, Texas. My dear did, friend, my dear friend. He was here in studio with us last week, Indeed. and he told us he was going to introduce his articles of impeachment uh, this week, well, he wouldn't tell us what day. Last week we asked him, uh, but he did yesterday and introduced them on the uh, on the House floor. 
the way the rules work, if you introduce articles of impeachment, you can do so at any time. Any member of Congress can do so at any time. doesn't have to go through committee. And the person who introduces them can thereupon call for a vote, an immediate vote, and force everybody to take a stand. Yes or no? Uh, Al Green went halfway there yesterday. He introduced it, and then he did not call for a vote right away. He said he wanted to give his colleagues time to think about it, talk about it, and at some point he will move forward uh, and call for uh, call for a vote. Probably a smart move on his, a good move on his part. Meaning sure. If he had forced it yesterday, he knows wouldn't have passed. But I'll put it out there. Yeah. You know, get some talk. Get some talk uh, going about it. We got to get him in again to talk about that. Uh, meanwhile, a couple of other stories. How about that Roy Moore? Oh, yeah. The one thing, though, you know about Roy Moore, he may be crazy, but he is honest. He's a good Christian, Roy Moore. Uh-huh. Uh, don't believe it? He'll tell you He'll many tell you. times. So front page Washington Post article today. Uh, it broke yesterday, actually. The Post put it up online earlier. Uh, that um, Roy Moore is such a devout Christian that he founded, he's started a foundation to spread Christian ideas and Christian principles. Uh, and he was working part-time for that foundation. But he publicly said over and over again, I do not take a dime for my work. I'm just doing this because I believe in Jesus Christ and I want to do everything I can to spread the word. Well, Roy Moore was telling a great big fat lie investigative <gasps> report on the part of the Washington Post. Uh, this is similar to the excellent investigative reporting they did on Donald Trump. Uh, they determined that, in fact, Roy Moore was getting $180,000 a year. He had arranged to get that privately from this foundation. Almost one out of every $3 raised by the foundation where this so-called Christian work was going into Roy Moore's pocket. Um, over, between 2007 and 2012, he got over a million dollars uh, from the foundation. And then they ran out of money. They couldn't afford to pay him that anymore. So they gave him a promissory note in 2012 worth $540,000. So here's a guy. <laughs> uh, by the way, two of his daughters and his wife were also on the payroll. Of the foundation, so yeah, Roy well, what Moore, good is being in you know any kind of politics if you can't take care of your family like that? Roy Moore is ousted <sighs> twice as Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the State of Alabama. You wonder how he was able to survive? He was able to survive because he was milking this foundation for one hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year for part-time work. Of course, this comes out now the uh, with Roy Moore up against Doug Jones and the. Uh, in the uh, general election for for senator from Alabama, uh, the question is: Will this have any impact on Roy Moore's political future? Do you think that the <laughs> Trump slash Roy Moore supporters in Alabama will care that he lies, that he steals, that he's corrupt? No. No. They'll come. They'll come up with some lame excuse. I, I, I would like to see what Ralph Reed says about this. Right. Mm. Yeah. But just like Ralph Reed said about when, when the Access Hollywood tape came out about Donald Trump, this good Christian leader, Ralph Reed, just said, well, but he's a human being. It just proves he's a human being. And Jerry Falwell Jr., who endorsed yeah. Trump mm -hmm. and has yeah. excused all of his bad moral behavior, 
These guys are disgusting. They are total, disgusting total hypocrites. Right. Uh, and and now <laughs> they the, you you watch. I'm not sure where they come. They will find a way to rally around Roy Moore, even even after this news uh, breaks today. Uh, and the final news item, maybe the most interesting of all today, Peter, is that the Boy Scouts have said they uh, are ready to accept girls as member of the Boy Scouts. Um, the Girl Scouts say, no, the girls still belong in the Girl Scouts, not the Boy Scouts. The Girl Scouts say, we are here to stay. That's where the girls belong. And that the Boy Scouts are only doing this because their membership is way down. Yeah, I, I was. And they need to keep going. Uh, right? that, that, I was curious about that. Like, the Girl Stout, Scouts still exist. I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong, but, like, there is still a Girl Scouts of America. Mm-hmm. So like, wh- and they're not happy with this move. Why would you? I, I, I really, I don't know. Like, why would you, you want two boys? Your... I have two boys, right? Uh, yeah, so I have two boys, so I don't, I don't know. Right. But like, if you have a daughter, like, why would you want your daughter to go into the Boy Scouts if there is a Girl Scout? Because in the Boy Scouts, she can become. I mean, this is one thing they're saying: she can become an Eagle Scout. Oh, it goes higher. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's interesting. So they're starting at the Cub Scout level, by the way. This is Cub Scout level. Sure, sure, sure. But then they're going to be able to graduate into the uh... Boy Scouts and then into the Explorers, and they'll be able to get their merit badges. Oh, interesting. And so they could get Star, Life, and Eagle. So in the Girl Scouts, they don't have an equivalent to an Eagle. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. No, but, I mean, that makes sense to but me. you know what I think this is? This is like the Catholic Church. They they don't have any more priests, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And eventually, because they're running out of priests, they're going to have to let women yeah. be priests and yeah. serve and, and and say mass. It's it's absolutely the demographics are going to determine this. Are going to force it. I don't care what Pope Francis says; he's wrong on this issue. And I think the same thing is happening with the Boy Scouts. Their membership is declining. Are your kids in Boy Scouts? No. There was a time that my oldest was in Boy Scouts. We took him out because they were they, you know, they acted like uh, jerks a while back about you know trans well, kids and yeah, gay yeah, kids and yeah. things like that. And we were just like, it, we don't do no. this crap. No, it wasn't so long ago, you know, last year or so, a couple of years ago, right? That they the whole thing about uh, not allowing any gay scouts. Right? Yeah, and they finally got over that because that was hurting their membership. Yeah. So now they take, but this is uh, it's it's going to be an interesting move to see. How many girls are really interested, right? Yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't know. I like we have some family friends that that they have daughters who do the Girl Scout thing. Um, so yeah, I don't know if they would jump over to the Boy Scouts. I don't know if they want to. Like my uh, experience with this has been that, like, getting to the Eagle Scouts level of this is it's a pretty small minority of kids that actually go through to that. Yeah. Right? But it's prestige. I but mean, it it's, is. It's a thing. Yeah, it means, I'm not I'm not belittling it. Right. But like a yeah. lot of kids kinda of drop out or lose interest right. before then. So yeah. I, it's kind of interesting. See how that see how that plays. Meanwhile, uh let's get back to the political news of the day and we'll do so uh with an out with uh, oh, that's right. No, I'm out of I'm out of order. <laughs> oh, right. We'll get back to the the big news of the day, the sports news of the day, coming to Washington, D.C. big time tonight with the deciding game between the Cubs and the Nationals. 
Travis Waldron, reporter for Huffington Post, joins us next here in studio. It's the Bill Press Show. It's got to be in tip-top shape. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. How about it? Here we are on this Thursday, October 12. Uh, great to see you today. It's good to have you with us as we tackle the news of the day from our studio on Capitol Hill and brought to you today by the Laborers International Union of North America, uh, President Terry O'Sullivan. Uh, and the good men and women of the Laborers Union uh, Building a Better America. That's their website, L-I-U-N-A, Liuna builds Amer- BuildsAmerica.org. Check it out. And we salute them for their good work. Thank them. They are the fastest growing and have a uh, union in North America and have uh, signed up more members this year than in any other year previously. So things are going well with the Laborers Union. We thank them for their support of the program and welcome to the program from Huffington Post. Huff Post, we call it now. Sorry about that. <laughs> Travis Waldron. Hello, Travis. Our good, good morning. Friend. How are good you? Good to see you. You too. Uh, we remember when you were just a sports reporter. Now you are. Now you uh, you cover all things uh, on on the planet. But you got to say, what a game last night! Great huh? game. Holy cow! Great I know game. you're not a big Nats fan. So. I'm not a Nats fan, but you know how are the Braves I, doing in the postseason? Are you Braves game? Peter, I'm sorry. See oh. why, why we got to? <laughs> That's we gotta, just mean, man. I'm right. sorry. I'm right. sorry. We're but... rebuilding. We're rebuilding. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Now I we're on like our third Yankees GM won. of the rebuild, but you know um, how the Red Sox do. Ooh. Oh, see, y'all are just throwing bombs. You out know what? This, this Cubs morning. fan at the helm here, he just uh... builds a big Cubs fan all of a sudden. Uh, no, I'm for the Nets. I keep telling you. I'm that. happy for them. So until they, they should pay for Metro to stay open for this oh, game. Yes. Right? Yes. This is you insane. Know. Yes. Yeah, for all of you, not in the Western this is area, a reminder. Is most of you, our Metro, our subway system closes at the, the game's at eight o'clock. The subway shuts down at 11 o'clock, and they refuse to stay open. Right. And by the way, that's the only way to get to that game. Unless you only, or you take walk. Uber or walk. Or, or you pay $70 to park. Yeah. 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 But good luck getting an Uber outside the stadium at 1130. Having done yeah. that, uh, tried to do that, but don't do that. Yeah. No. Take my no. advice. Don't no. try and do no. that. No. I mean, good for the cab drivers, though. I guess, yeah. If I was hey. a cab driver, I'd be lined up. I mean, the mayor or somebody or the governor. Or the team. That. The yeah. team, yeah. Audit. This is a reminder: your sports teams don't care about you. <laughs> That's true. They exist to make all of your money. Okay. Uh. <laughs> well, thanks for introducing this downer side of tonight's game. Uh, but hey, but hopefully they win. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, you know exciting game. I it think it's be. been a really really good series. I think there's been yep. a lot of focus yep. on yep. the weirdness of the pitching situation with the Nationals, and I think there's been a, a lot of focus on the fact that the Nationals bats. Again, in the postseason, aren't showing up. But like, look, it's pitching... hard to hit in the postseason, though. Yeah, sure. No, I get that. And I totally get that. You know, but the, like the, the Cubs haven't been hitting either. Right. The pitching in the series has been insanely good on both sides. And... By the way, you know, this is a touching story. I know that our listeners in Chicago probably heard about this. Yesterday, Chris Bryant uh, from the Chicago Cubs uh, went to a hospital and promised a little kid with cancer he was going to strike out four times last night. And he went and he did it. You know, wow. what, a, what a legend. Wow. What a legend. 
<laughs> Did you see what Anthony Rizzo said about Strasburg? No. They asked him what it's like to hit against him right now, and he said, imagine someone who doesn't know how to hit walking into a batting cage. That's uh, what it feels like. Oh, my God. Yeah. He was unbelievable last night. He was 65 of 66 innings without giving up an earned run. Strasburg last night was unbelievable. He was was unreal in the first game. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, this is the amazing thing that uh, the Nationals have carried no hitters (coughs) into the sixth and seventh inning in two games and and lost them both. All right. So do we know the other three? We do. The Yankees, the Astros, and the Dodgers. Yeah, the Yankees won last night. The Yankees won last night. Yeah. The Astros. Won three one over Boston and the Dodgers swept the Diamondbacks. Right, so okay. it's all set except it's for this one. All set except for tonight. Mm-hmm. And when when do the playoffs begin? Friday. The next series, ne- next I believe series? so. Yeah, yeah, I'm that's not what positive. I was thinking. I mean, for so, the for the Nats and the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah. So they'd have to if the Nats. It's win a quick tonight, turnaround. They, yeah. Quick turn or the Cubs, whoever wins mm-hmm. tonight, is going to have to play. When they tomorrow. start the AL series first, then. I believe so, but I think that one starts tomorrow or Friday. Friday, I'm not yeah. positive. Yeah. Right, taking it one day at a time. Okay, just uh, right. keeping my head right. in the game and. Okay, go Nats uh, on the sports. <laughs> Live in the moment. Yeah, still on the sports front. Um, we're not going to have to spend much time watching the World Cup this year, I guess, huh? <laughs> You're not. <laughs> I am. <laughs> a lot of Americans aren't. I'll, I'll still watch. A lot them. of Americans won't. It's a bummer. Uh, it's bad for U.S. soccer. It is a, but it's a culmination of a lot of problems that have been. Ex- that have existed in American soccer for a long time. And uh, I don't think, I don't hold the view held by some that this is good in the long run. It's not. Like, this is bad. Why, this, would, the why, World would, why would anybody Well, say because there good. are a, a lot of longstanding problems and there oh, are people, the there's problems with the development. I mean, you know, first and foremost <laughs> being that um, American soccer is a very expensive sport to play at the youth level, which is not true in virtually any other country on earth. I mean, Soccer is generally a, a, the sport of the working class and yeah. below. In the United States, it's super expensive, and we're sort of reaping what we sow on this a Why? little bit. Why? I mean, we're the United States. People do everything to make money. <laughs> but, I mean... It's not about the love of the game, you're saying? <laughs> well, and I mean, I think soccer just naturally has uh, developed as more of a suburban white sport. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how U.S. soccer... I mean, they've changed some of the development. We have a very good youth team. The The younger teams are pretty good and promising, but, you know, it's tough. Um, it's a, it's a It was shocking. A lot had to go wrong, and a lot went wrong. And not just the other night when three things went very wrong. It, it's been months in the making of turmoil and... Uh, right. And meanwhile, as Peter's pointed out a couple of times, um, the U.S. women's team... Yeah, we still have the women. Is where the action which is, the, which is, right? is probably and it's the not best just we still have the women. We've we've always had the we've women. always had yeah, the women. The women I, are amazing, and um, everyone who is complaining that we won't have a World Cup for four years, well, that's not true. The women will be there in 2019 mm-hmm. in France and uh, trying to win it again. And I've said to you before, and I've said it. On, I on don't the show think before. they're the best team in the world right now. Okay, that's fair. No, that's fair. Um, but but they're very very good. Um, but I, I I find women's soccer to be more entertaining. I watch women's soccer purely because mm-hmm. I think that they play a pure version of the game. It's not so much. There's not so much flopping. It's not so much. 
of the physicality pushing people around. And I just want to point out again, the National Women's Soccer League Championship is this, this weekend. weekend. The this Portland Thorns against the North Carolina Courage. Courage. I yeah, think it's it the is. new team, right? Yeah, it's the new team. And the, 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 and the Washington Spirit played in this championship last year. Oh, it was gutting. Oh, it was brutal to watch. It was that. gutting. It was a brutal game. But, like, we have a – well, this year they weren't so good. They weren't very good this year. But we, we have a team here in Washington, D.C. that is a women's professional soccer team. And they're team. awesome. Yeah, and there are some. They're the closest Washington has come to winning a championship <laughs> in like what thirty years now. Yeah. Yeah. They were like um, two minutes away from winning it last. Right. Year. Yeah. But I think uh, on the point of the, the a, you should watch the women because they're amazing and we have great young players. Um, aside from the stars that people became familiar with last summer mm-hmm. or two summers ago now, I guess. But uh, the other point is this World Cup is still going to be awesome, and it it. United States isn't going to be there, and that's going to keep a lot of people from watching. And it's a bummer because I mean, I became a soccer fan through the World yeah. Cup, yeah. yeah, and have great sports watching memories because of the World Cup. But you look around the like global soccer map, and like it's insane how good some of these teams are. When and is so, the World Cup? World. It starts next summer, June. Next, in, so J- J- June twenty eighteen. Yes. Yeah. In okay. Russia, right. you can wake up early. <laughs> oh, nice. Get to the bar around, uh, I don't know, how far ahead of time is Russia? That I love. Seven that I, hours I, so? I do love that aspect the of the last World time Cup. the yeah. bar's all open. Yeah, the bars yeah. were open at like 11 o'clock. It's like when they, well, it's yeah. the same way when they were in the Olympics. Yeah, yeah exactly. I remember yeah. getting up and going and when we played Russia in hockey in the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being at the bar at like <laughs> 6.30 in the morning. That's a good while. feeling. Like they right. couldn't even serve booze. You just wanted to be around people. It was great. <laughs> all right, so why did Roger Goodell uh, take a knee for Donald Trump? Oh, man. So the NFL says they haven't changed their policy, but they're meeting next week to change with the, the with the union. And I don't know. It will, it'll be interesting because they, the union's going to be involved and players will be involved. Um, I will say this. I thought it was if, Roger Goodell and the owners. The players are the, the It's an owners meeting, but the, the union, they released a statement yesterday that they're, they're all going to meet. Uh, there's going to be player reps. And uh, I will say this. If they're going to meet, Colin Kaepernick should be there. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I think that it would go a long way for owners to show that they're serious about actually doing something. And I think there are some substantive things they can do. Um, we we, it, we Everyone's hung up on the protest, and it as they should be, because the president of the United States trying to silence these guys is a gross misuse of his power. But... It also clouds the fact that these guys who have been at the forefront of this have been working towards other things. Mm-hmm. It's not just the protests. Like last year or earlier this year, four guys came to Congress to meet with Republican and Democratic lawmakers about criminal justice reform. Mm-hmm. Things that before the election of Donald Trump, we were very close to getting through Congress. Yes. Things like right. bail reform, um, sentencing reform, sentencing reform the, uh, the disparity, the ban the box on. You know, felon hiring, things like that. Um, Disparity on the cocaine sentencing, you know, right, between right. crack and powder. And They've all met yeah. with state attorneys general. They've met with state lawmakers. These guys are taking time, like, away from their job to do this stuff. And there, there are very substantive things that they want to see happen. And they're putting their weight behind it. And I think what they want is for the owners and for the NFL, which is a political organization, the idea that the NFL has never been political until these guys did this is nonsense. The NFL has an antitrust exemption because it got political and got it through Congress. 
the NFL gets all these stadium subsidies mm-hmm. that it, it uses political mechanisms to get. The NFL has a PAC mm. here. Does it really? In Washington. It yeah. has lobbyists. It <laughs> donates to candidates. It donates to its owners, donate to presidential candidates, congressional candidates, Senate candidates, everywhere. The NFL could do is put its weight behind things that its players want. And that's what they want. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, that would go a long way for these players to say, you know, we don't want this symbolism of the owners being with us. We don't want the, you know, we want, we started a conversation. Colin Kaepernick started a conversation. A bunch of other NFL players have advanced that conversation. The idea that this is only about taking a knee during the anthem is not, it's not true. Um, they're, they're asking for real things. But they, of course. They, that Donald Trump wants to make it that because Donald Trump he wants, wants to, make to wrap it, it in the flag and yes. the mili- and the military, right? And, make and he wants that. to. It's a, it's the same and, sort of wedge issue that Donald Donald Trump has tried to divide black and white Americans the whole time he's been yeah. a politician or even a, a faux politician. Well, I mean, yeah. this is a guy again. He started his political career essentially by by accusing Barack Obama of not being a citizen of the United States. Yes. And remember before that he was uh, right. he was charged by the Justice Department for refusing to rent apartments right. to African Americans. And he took out ads against the Central Park 5. Yeah. I mean like this, right. yeah. Donald said, Trump is well. using this as an issue to like rally his fervent base on a racial issue. It's it's a lot of people are with him on it. Yeah. I mean if you I, saw the Pence thing this weekend, like there were a lot of people on Twitter that were applauding him. And right, well, but co- by coming out, you know, the way he did, it seemed to me that Roger Goodell was just almost I think, endorsing Donald Trump. Yeah, I, I, I think Goodell and the owners have they haven't been great. <laughs> um, you know, they've tried to co-opt this. Yeah, and they've tried to get it to. I mean, if you look at Roger Goodell's statements, I, when I saw Dan Snyder, right. who owns a team called the. Red Redskins yeah. come out and take, you know, link arms with his players and act right. like he's with them on these racial issues. Give me a break, right? Or Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones, yeah, yeah. And I mean, look, these guys, they, I think they have to keep protesting. I have, I think they have to. They, they've started a conversation. Yeah. The protest yeah. is the way that conversation has started, but they, there also has to be action. I think from the NFL on, on the things they want to talk about, it, and. It's not good enough for Roger. Roger Goodell has not acknowledged in any of his statements why they're protesting. He always says, we don't want, we're about unity. And well, the unity when it comes to the NFL is always about people of color not talking. Their unity is always. <laughs> yeah, right. It's always, we, the, the name of Washington's football team stands for strength, courage, pride, and respect. Roger Goodell said that. That's, God. we can't listen to these people. The unity he's talking about now involves no longer protesting, mm-hmm. but they like protests are not unifying. <laughs> you don't protest for unity. Yeah, no. I, you there, there you protest of... to say, "Hey, guys, things are going wrong, and we want to fix them." No protest is ever popular. That's the thing to me. Sit-ins that, weren't popular, right? And like, no matter what kind of protest you put out there, they're always going to say it's wrong, right? Don't have a nonviolent protest, okay? Here's a nonviolent protest, and then they turn it into this thing. Well, where, why are you disrupting traffic? Right, or the national right, anthem, right, or, right, right. And then they turn this whole thing into this 
sort of like co opting this message, mm-hmm. saying that it's anti troop, and then you've got all these troops coming out and say, like, who cares what the troops think about this? This has nothing to do right. with, the, with the. They're not with protesting. The, the, they're, the they troops. haven't said no. a thing about the military. No. no, no. And well, you know my solution. Stop playing the national anthem at baseball games or football games or basketball games. Fair. It has right. nothing to do with well, the game. And this is the na- playing the, the national anthem is a political decision. Yeah. Of course it is. And you know why patriotism doing it. is political. They're, yeah, because they're, they're just and, just like a lot of people try to equate Christianity and patriotism, mm-hmm. they're trying to create and they've succeeded professional sports and patriotism. But I think and we the, the, the two are totally separate. I just I think it's really important no matter what Trump does, no matter what what Goodell does, what any of these, you know, anything happens with the people in power to 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 focus on the fact of why they did this. Like Colin Kaepernick did this for very specific reasons. The guys who Michael Bennett, Malcolm Jenkins, Eric Reed, the guys who have who have followed him and really taken the leadership role on this, they did it for very specific reasons. Listen to them. And they were clear. They about know that. what they're doing. They were clear about right. their reasons. They, yeah, if they, you ask them, if you just, if, yeah. if, if everybody would just listen to them for a minute, they know what they're doing. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins in Congress last year and Anquan Bolden, whose, whose cousin was shot by an uh, off-duty police officer mm. during, while his car was broken down on the side of the road. These guys, like, you listen to them talk to lawmakers, to the media, to whoever. They know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And they yeah. like they they're not dumb jocks. These are guys who live in a country where their experiences are different than ours, different than mine and yours and and they that and and white people's in general and that's what they're trying to say. The and other, that's the other thing that was so galling about this is to hear uh Newt Gingrich among others say, "Oh, how dare they?" Protests. Oh, they're making so much money. Just you know, like yeah. so the the I, idea I, that they I can the, the idea that these guys are no longer comment. the guy the idea that these guys are no longer African American men because they make money right is yeah. nonsense. And, and like that's exactly no, what they're saying. The, the police exactly. the police don't stop and ask them if they're NFL players when right. they pull them over. We've allowed you to make a lot of money in this right. white so society. Shut up. So shut up it's and the, sit it's, down. It's the yeah. it's the expectation of this. <laughs> right. It's the expectation of the bargain. Uh, the the their expectation of the bargain yeah. is that when if you make money. As a black man, you yeah. you forfeit you, your right to be a part of civic society. Right. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, the, but but what they don't God. forfeit is the sort of oppression and and racism that they're talking about. Yeah, because LeBron James still had the N word spray painted on his house, mm. and Dwayne Wade has talked about how he still has to have a conversation with his son about what yeah. to do if he gets pulled over. I mentioned Anquan Bolden's cousin getting shot. Yeah. Warwick Dunn, the former NFL running back, was pulled over at one point because he looked like a drug dealer. Like, these guys don't. I mean, Thabo Cephalosha. Cephalosha got his leg broken during the playoffs. Michael Bennett in Las Vegas. Like, these guys, they they go through the same things. Right. They have have to have the same conversations. They, They don't stop being black men in a country that is very racist toward black men and women just because they're rich. Yeah. And they don't. And beyond that, the idea that having money means you can't engage in politics, I, like, who engage? Like, that's absurd on its oh, no, face. No, the whole thing. Go, go look at who's funding yeah. all of these, all of our politics. Like, 
Yeah, I know, I know, which is why the, the Goodell thing bothered me so much. Right. Because I think if he had just let it go, the thing, anyhow, he he legitimized Donald Trump, uh, in my judgment, and I hope the the owners and Goodell and the players can come to some. Uh, resolution of this next week that doesn't just keep this whole thing going. Um, we, we've talked before about college players getting paid. <laughs> You're still on that case. What's the latest? Well, uh, the NCA, a bunch of NCA schools or six schools, I think, have come under investigation by the FBI for <laughs> corruption. Uh, my view is that well, they, it involves shoe companies, Adidas. Oh. Chiefly, for now, um, so these are funneling money to athletes and sponsorships, essentially. Yes, the the so the main one, the big one was the University of Louisville, where uh, Adidas essentially funneled a hundred thousand dollars to a top recruit to go to U of L. Now, I don't see what the issue is with giving a guy a hundred thousand dollars to go play college basketball because apparently that's what he was worth. But that is a payoff, right? It is a payoff, but I mean, is it a payoff that I mean? I'm sure the the well, why they you do get it paid on... for doing the radio, right? <laughs> I get paid for doing journalism. Um, why doesn't that guy get paid for playing basketball? Because he's a college student what, player, d- and isn't there a rule in the colleges supposedly? Why did they do this under the table if it's okay? Well, it it's not okay it's not because okay. of NCA rules. Okay. Right, but I'm I, maybe but, it should be okay. Right, my view is that that's the F- different. That's my view different is discussion. that the FBI and the de- and the Department of Justice are going at this from the wrong side. What they should be doing and what they have the authority to do is go after the NCA on antitrust grounds. That wouldn't rid the sport of all corruption. Yeah, but ending the NCA cartel would get rid of some of the worst corruption because, like, in a normal world. Adidas handing a basketball player money to wear their shoes during a basketball game is perfectly legal. They do it to lots of guys in the NBA. In the NBA, right. And in soccer and in every other sport. You look at the money that these colleges are making off of these athletes. You look at the the giant contracts that these coaches are getting. You look at the amazing facilities that they're building on these college campuses on the backs of – Athletes that are getting Free labor. paid nothing, literally nothing. Like they, like, well, not it, nothing. It, they get a college scholarship. Well, they, they get a college but, scholarship, but then they can't take. You know, they like they. They're not getting paid. Right. I, I think it's wrong. Uh, yeah, I'm mixed about it. I tell, I tell you, I mean, look, I want to get the money out of politics, and that doesn't mean I want to I get the money into college sports. I mean, professional sports, I understand, but then where do you go? High school next, grade school next. But they are. You start. They you just, are you see a kid that's got some promises, an eighth right. grader, and you just start funneling him money. To but go they to a are essentially school. professionalized. Yeah, everyone I mean, in the system is making loads of money, except for the guys who do the work. And I hear your point. I, I, no, I, I hear that. I, I hear what you're I, saying I, too. I, but look, I, I, that's not how the eighth, that's the not whole, how eighth grade works. You know, you know, with money comes corruption. No doubt about it. It's been proven in every field. Money comes corrupt. Right, but you, but so also artificially of- fixing a market to keep money in the hands of certain people and not in the hands of others also invites corruption. And just, that's just, the, just, the, just, the the Justice Department right now is playing whack a mole. Just leave a little purity somewhere on the planet. College sports are. <laughs> 
<laughs> what is Come on. Bill, Bill what is pure about college sports? <laughs> there is nothing pure about college sports. Well, one thing that's pure about it is the players are not paid. Right, uh, according so they're, to the rules, they're getting so the fact so they're that they're getting discount the fact that they're cheating. You're like Roy Moore, you know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, you're wow. saying to get the money out of college sports, the money is already there, right? So why shouldn't the players be paid? I'm saying the rules are you don't get paid, and they're they're funneling money under Look the at table. Bill, to such be. a rule follower. I didn't know you were news host Bill Press. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I, 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 I make no apologies for standing for honesty and abiding by the rules. <laughs> but, no, but, no, but no one's being honest. The well, University of North Carolina no, committed systemic academic fraud. Correct. They're not being honest. They are funneling money secretly to these players, and you are defending it. So, yes, I'm, I'd like to bring it to light. Yeah. Under the rules well, of I, normal business practices. I think you have brought it to light by your reporting. Thank you. All right. No, I give you, <laughs> I give you that. Now that you've brought it to light, I condemn it. <laughs> there you go. All right. There you go. Uh, fake news. Call it fake news. Whatever you want. <laughs> hey, Travis. Good to see you. We you didn't too. Get Thanks the whole for having me. Things we wanted to talk about. That was good. Good rundown. And now we get back to politics, particularly politics in my state, in the golden state of California, where things are really getting lively with a big Senate race and a governor's race. Congressman Ro Kahana. I'm sorry, Rokana coming to talk to us next hour. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Donald Trump says he did not say that we should increase our nu- nuclear arsenal ten times, and because they reported that, he wants to rip the license away from NBC News. Yeah, what he wants is state-controlled media. You know, just like Vladimir Putin. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It's great to see you today. This is a big Thursday Thursday, October 12. Great to see you, and thank you for joining us uh, as we boom out to you from our nation's capital and our studio right here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., joining you everywhere in this great land of ours, coast to coast, all the way from California to Washington, D.C., and all the way from California to Washington, D.C. is our guest. First time in the studio, we're pleased to welcome Congressman Ro Khanna. Hello, Congressman. It's, it's great great to be on, especially gracious. given how much people uh, respect you in my state in California. You started out as California party chair. I'm still a Californian, Congressman. <laughs> yeah, thank you for those good words. Uh, we still have a house in uh, Marin County. Wonderful. And uh, Carol and I still vote in California because that you know the, the, our vote counts in California, and we still pay taxes in California, right? So well, we're proud to have you. But, thank you. And, but, but like you, I spent a little time here in Washington D.C. Uh, 
uh, as well. Uh, your first term, we want to find out uh, how you're doing and what you think about all the uh, changing or maybe sometimes not changing positions in uh, in, Cal- in California politics. And we want to hear from you, too, what you think about all the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We'll get right to it, but first... Peter always has the big stories at the top of the hour. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of the stories making news. Actress Rose McGowan has been one of the most vocal people talking about Harvey Weinstein uh, since the allegations have come up. She has accused him of uh, inappropriate uh, advances and sexual assault. Well, this is not a good look for Twitter. Yesterday, Twitter shut her down. Blocked her from her own Twitter account. They have suspended her. She took to Instagram and says, Twitter has suspended me. There are powerful forces at work. Be my voice. And has asked her followers to go to Twitter and to help say, like, what in the world are they doing? (laughs) Shutting down a victim of sexual violence. Uh... Not a good look for Twitter. Was but, it language she was using? Or? Well, they didn't actually specify what it was. She, Like I said, she's been very vocal and has been tweeting a lot about this story. And they didn't say which tweet specifically it was that uh, that got her into hot water. Right. So doesn't um, look good. Her yeah, Twitter account is up, by the way, it's now, up, but it's, it looks like she can't tweet. She cannot tweet, right. So you can read her tweets and some of the stuff that she has up there, but uh, you cannot read her tweets. We go to San Antonio, Texas, where there was a high school down there, the Robert E. Lee High School. And they, for obvious reasons, decided that they needed a name change. (laughs) (laughs) So they named it the Legacy of Educational Excellence High School, or the L-E-E High School. So it's still (laughs) Lee High School. They just changed it a little bit. So I don't know if that's a real win for the school or not. I don't know how I feel about that. But uh, did, you see, did you see the video of the the um, couple of white girls that, that go to the school that were so upset about it that they cried about it in front of reporters? They mm. cried because they lost the name of Robert E. Lee? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, I didn't see that. But that's <laughs> kind of perfect. Cry me a river. And we go to Spotswood, New Jersey. The former mayor is in a little bit of hot water. He stole $5,000 from a scholarship fund there in Spotswood, New Jersey. And if you're in New Jersey, what do you do with that money? You go gambling. Yeah. Well, he took it to a casino in Atlantic City to gamble. He lost all of the money. and He is no longer the mayor of Spotswood, New Jersey. If you're Chris Christie, you take it to White Castle. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, that's don't do that. That's a bad idea. On your radio, on TV, and online. This is the Bill Press Show. Yeah, it's the end of the world as we know it. Maybe or the beginning of a whole new world. The Boy Scouts say they are welcoming girls as new members of the Boy Scouts. Wow, just one of the big stories we're covering today. Hello, everybody. Great to see you. It is the Bill Press Show, a live coast to coast uh, on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. 
Joining you, of course, on Free Speech TV as well. You're looking good on TV this morning. And out in the Chicago area, the greater Chicago area, on WCPT. And pleased to welcome uh, all of you. Today, we want to hear from you, your comments on the news of the day at BP Show. And also in studio, so happy to welcome uh, a freshman member of Congress from uh, California, my home state, not my home state, my adopted state, uh, from California's 17th Congressional District, uh, Congressman Ro Khanna. So, Congressman, good to see you. Thank see you. you. How's it going so far? Are you uh, settling in? And well, it's certainly an extraordinary year to get elected to Congress. I mean, who could have thought about the uh, dysfunction where you have people from the administration coming in and apologizing uh, and being sheepish about what the president is doing? Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of energy, especially in the House, uh, new members uh, interested in putting forth real ideas that are going to help uh, working families with stagnant wages. They're going to try to articulate an economic vision for our party. Uh, and I've enjoyed uh, being part of that. Senator Dianne Feinstein made news this week when she announced uh, she, at the age of 84, she'll be 85 next year when she runs for re-election, that she is going to run for another term another six-year term. She made news by announcing that. You made news by suggesting it might be time for her to step aside. Do you still believe that, and why? I do. I, I didn't realize my tweet uh, out would make as much news. <laughs> I guess uh, I'm learning the ways of Washington. They, there are these odd rules that uh, if you're an incumbent, you can never uh, uh, not uh, support one of your colleagues. And people say, who made these rules? Why is it that you have to unconditionally support every other elected official in your party? That's what People are so frustrated with. Look, Senator Feinstein has had a a distinguished record of public service on gun safety, on delivering for uh, California with the uh, Caltrain funding, uh, on inspiring uh, young women to enter public service. Uh, But she has been wrong about some of the major issues of the 21st century. Uh, She supported the war in Iraq. She was the lead advocate for the Patriot Act and extending it. She uh, worked with Republicans to... Uh, help uh, the government get the power to have surveillance over citizens. And she has been uh, not strong on issues of uh, Medicare for all or issues about uh, a populist, strong economic agenda. I don't think any one single issue should be a litmus test. But when you look at uh, her record in its entirety, uh, that's not the future of California or our values. Do you think... um that her age is a factor and should be a factor? No. I mean, I, I, I don't think uh, age uh, to be a senator. I mean, she's I think she's still very uh, active and energetic. And I, I don't. And, and she's certainly very uh, thoughtful. Uh, I don't think that should be the issue. If she were uh, if she had Robert Reich's politics, uh, I'd say, you know, let's let's have Diane Feinstein again. But, the, you know, foreign policy and the civil liberties issues are are huge issues. And then you ask, look, if Hillary Clinton were president uh, or if Bernie Sanders were president, maybe I'd feel differently. But we're living in extraordinary times. The very uh, values of our country are at stake. And California, I'm biased, but think is one of the most important states. And so we really need someone who's going to articulate alternative values uh, to what Trump uh, is uh, standing for. Well, certainly as an incumbent Democrat yourself, um, you have the right to um, to not necessarily to support another Democrat. I agree with you 100 percent. You also have the right to um, run against her uh, and and challenge her for for that for that seat. 
I have sufficient. Uh, are you going to? I'm not, and I have sufficient humility. I mean, is I mean, that I'm, a real no? Or? It is a real no, and I'll tell you why. One, I've, I've only been on the job 10 months, uh, you know, uh, and uh, I, I love my – I love the job, uh, and, and I love being in the house for two reasons. One – you can actually be very bold in the house because you're not you don't have to weigh every word and every how it's going to play there's a lot of creativity you can push the envelope uh, in the house of representatives second i have the honor of, of representing silicon valley and you've got apple and google and facebook the yahoo intel all in my district uh, so, and i think that's just a very very important place uh, uh, to represent so i i i've already announced for reelection for my uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, house race. Uh, I I love the job, but I do think there are people uh, like Robert Reich, who I was emailing back and forth with Barbara Lee, uh, Ted Lieu uh, down uh, in in Southern California, number of others. Uh, Kevin DeLeon, who was the state mm-hmm. Senate president, who are looking at the race. And in some, you sen- think there will be a challenge? I do, I do. And in some sense, I think my speaking out is. A little less self-serving. I mean, if I was making the case that right. you know it's time for have new voices, and then uh, you know, and by the way, that voice should be Ro Khanna. People would say, yeah. "Well, it's a little bit convenient." <laughs> yeah, sure. There you go. <laughs> right. Um, one uh, uh, another person in California who made some political news yesterday, not an incumbent office holder, but a key Democratic donor, Tom Steyer. Right. Uh, as the New York Times reports this morning, and he he sent a letter yesterday uh, saying that. The number one priority or commitment of any Democrat running for office in 2018, I'm paraphrasing here, is to get rid of Donald Trump. You know that that's got to be their their first priority. Um, putting pressure on Democrats to make Donald Trump's ouster a defining issue in the 2018, he urged Democrats to pledge they would seek to remove him from office if they take control of Congress next year. He wants everybody to sign that pledge, basically. My question is, before I get to you whether or not you would support right. that, is does that mean that Do- Tom Steyer may be thinking of running for that Senate seat? I, I certainly think so. I mean, Tom's name has been bandied about for the governor's race for when Kamala Harris won. Right. Uh, I'm sure he's he's looking at it. And he's done a lot of good work on on, envir- on the environment, on climate change, uh, and, is, and certainly would be a, uh, a contender. Uh, the, you know, I... There's not a single person in the Democratic caucus who doesn't believe we should have uh, a new president. The question is, uh, how do we get there? Uh, my view personally is that if we come out and start taking pledges before uh, Robert Mueller finishes his investigation and before we have the evidence, uh, then we're going to be accused of uh, bias. And why don't we wait six months? Uh, let's see what Mueller has. I have complete confidence he's going to do a, a thorough job. Uh, and then certainly if he uh, has evidence that uh, crimes were committed or high crimes were committed, uh, I wouldn't be uh, reluctant nor would anyone to, to start the proceedings to remove the president. But to say that before he finishes, I think, is to prejudge uh, the issue. And, you know, obviously I think that this administration has done a lot worse than what uh, President Clinton did. I mean, it's not even uh, comparable. But you had the Republicans overreach in 19. 19- 98 uh, on impeachment. Uh, and and then, and that led to a backlash. And so pe- you have to have, I think, the evidence first and then take the steps rather than the other way around. Which means today, at least, you would not sign the time. Uh, no, I would not sign pledge. a pledge before, I, before Mueller concludes his investigation. 
uh, in terms of, because I think that would make me biased. Where I, where, let's say Mueller comes yeah. out and says, no, there were no high crimes committed. I'm, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to find stuff. But if I'm already saying that regardless of what Mueller does, I'm going to vote a certain way, uh, I think people would say it's, he's just being political. Here, here's what I do think we need to do. I think we, we need to figure out why uh, people in Youngstown and why people in Beckley, West Virginia, and why people in Paintsville voted against the Democratic Party. And what is our uh, economic vision? I've been going, I went to Paintsville, Kentucky, Hal Rogers' district, a 30% Trump carry, talking about the opportunities for coal miners' kids. They had a program of getting the jobs of the 21st century, and Apple and Google are helping with some of these tech-enabled jobs for those kids. I rather us focus on how do we win back mm-hmm. uh, that trust with a positive vision. And that's really what's going to uh, lead to Trump uh, leaving. Uh, and uh, just I think the follow-up to that is, if I read you correctly, you would also be a no vote on Congressman Al Green's uh, impeachment uh, articles, which were introduced yesterday. Yeah, well, I'm not going to co-sponsor it. I mean, I doubt it's going to come up for a vote uh, by the House leadership. Uh, because the Republicans have to bring it up for a vote. But I'm not going to co-sponsor it at, at this point. Um, you mentioned Medicare for all. Um, whether or not that should be a litmus test, is that a, a key issue for Democrats and one that you support? I mean, John Conyers has that legislation. I don't know whether you're one of the signatures. I was. I, I, I was very, very early on it, uh, two months into my, my time in Congress. I've been vocal in saying that uh, two points about Medicare for all. One, it's going to be economically uh, efficient. You know, the Republicans always say it's going to cost $32 trillion. Yeah. You know what they don't point out? The current health care system costs $49 trillion, right? <laughs> We're going to have a $17 trillion savings. And it's common sense. If you take out the insurance companies, you take out the drug profits, you take out the fact that hospital CEOs are making $6 million in some places, you're going to save money. And the second thing is it's going to be the most pro-business legislation. Because now if you're a startup, if you're a small company, uh, you don't have to uh, put so much money into health care. The government is going to do it uh, for you uh, in uh, providing that health care. And if you talk to small businesses in my district and the startups, they will tell you the biggest barrier to competition is not wages. It's health care costs. One final point on this. If you look at the stagnation of American wages from 1979, the entire stagnation is explained by the rising health care costs. If you had put the same money on the rising health care costs into increasing American wages, we would wages would be about 20 percent higher. So any economist who looks at this, in my view, would say that some form of Medicare for all, some form of single payer is the right uh, policy solution. Now, I don't think it should be a litmus test saying, okay, if you're not on Conyers' bill, uh, you shouldn't serve. And I don't think even with my case with Feinstein, if if Feinstein, uh, if this was the only issue, I'm not sure, okay, that's a litmus test. But but my concern with Feinstein is she she doesn't even have a pathway of uh, how we would get to Medicare for all. Fine. She may not be for my version mm-hmm. or Conyers' version, but what, what is her version for, for national health care? Uh, is the status quo, I guess, for her. Yeah, right? and, and that, to me, I, I have a bigger uh, problem, right? I mean, it, there's no, it's not like she's saying, okay, let's have a buy-in of Medicare and or let's have a public option first and let's have a piecemeal approach. I mean, there's just a lack of, uh, uh, of, of vision. 
Well, so do you? That's that's one of the criticisms on the part of a so-called establishment Democrats. I guess I'm a single payer guy too, right. by the way. So is that? And and Hillary made this criticism of Bernie Sanders during the primary. Right, you're promising something that's never going to happen. You know, right. You're raising people's expectations. But I don't think not. I know Bernie well. I mean, not even Bernie is saying you go overnight from where we are today to single payer. Right. It's going to be a gradual process. How do we get there? Do you see? Well, I think you're absolutely right. I think what Bernie was effective at is is articulating a vision, and people want the vision, and then they want to know, yeah, how do you get there? And if but if we start out without the vision. Then people will say, well, they're already compromising. And I think, you know, the Republicans have uh, been uh, bold and they're saying, here's what we're going to fight for. And then they go and try to fight for it. And I think we need to say, look, we want to get to Medicare for all. How do we get there? There are many ways. I mean, you know, as you know, Joe Lieberman uh, stopped single handedly uh, having Medicare extend to 55 when that was being debated. Mm-hmm. So that could be uh, a, a first step uh, is uh, lowering uh, the age that you can be eligible on Medicare. You could have a, a view. And by the way, you start at 55 and then five years later five you years, go to 45 right, or exactly. whatever. Yeah. I mean, you could go, you can transition in. Look, it's, you're talking about 18% of the economy. So people understand that you can't overnight go from uh, all the, uh, the, the, the excess to Medicare for all. But there are ways that you can get there. You can start to extend Medicare. Uh, you can talk uh, about uh, ways that uh, people can buy in to uh, to Medicare or have an option. Uh, you, if you want to really solve this crisis, the manufactured crisis with the affordable health care, uh, where there's only one insurance company providing health care, say, okay, any place there's one insurance company, any market, you automatically get to have Medicare for all. Uh Let's see mm-hmm. if insurance companies then are going to stay in those markets. Right. My guess is they would. And you mentioned the public plan option, too, which was originally part of uh, Obamacare and then dropped. But that would have been a pathway uh, as well uh, if, if they if they'd opened that. Uh, I'm going to go back to California because it, there will be a Senate race. I agree yes. with you. There will be a challenge. I'm all for healthy primaries. I think that's great. good for the party. Um there's also going to be there's also an active governor's race, right? There is. Uh, again, you have no plans for running for governor. <laughs> no, oh, I, okay. This you one. know, I, I have this counterintuitive view that representing Silicon Valley is one of the most important <laughs> jobs in in, in American <laughs> politics. Right. But. Understood. Understood. But so we see in the governor's race, you know, Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom uh, has been wanting he's been been wanting to run for governor since he was born, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's certainly way out there. Um, Antonio Villaraigosa, former mayor of Los Angeles, talked about who else is out there, and wh- wh- what do you what do you think? Yeah, no, I think they're the leading candidates. John Cheng. Uh, John Cheng. I'm is, sorry, I should mention him. Controller. You know, he's a, con- a controller. I mean, and getting he's got a lot of support as well. He has right. he has good support as well. I, look, I I like Gavin. I've known Gavin for for many years, uh, and uh, he is uh, he's been very strong on the single pair. Uh, system and and having health care for for all uh, so uh, and he's also been very strong and bold uh, on gun safety uh, as many people know one of the first people to, to to support gay marriage I think he's ahead of the curve in uh, in taking the fight on progressive values but uh, everyone brings strengths I mean uh, Vera Gosa uh, I've heard him speak about the education gap in Silicon Valley. Uh, you go in my district at Google and Facebook and other places, and you don't see many African Americans, Latino Americans. And Viragosa talked about how this is a 
huge challenge. How can mm. you have the future of the economy with huge populations not having uh, participation? So I think he brings an interesting voice. And, and John Chang has uh, been a very, very uh, eloquent on issues of civil liberties, on issues of uh, Asian Americans participating. So I I'm uh, lean towards Gavin and will probably end up uh, supporting him, but they're three good candidates. You've mentioned several times. Okay, so you're proud of representing Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley, this is not the brightest moment for Silicon it's Valley. Not. With yeah, how do you assess the depth of the problems with you know facing Google and Apple, and are they aware of uh, you know the trouble they're in and <laughs> and and taking steps internally to to correct it? I think they're they they are. There are two things I think they've got to do. One is on the jobs front, and one is on the democracy front. Uh, on the jobs front, uh, we've got to make sure that people in other parts of the country have an opportunity and communities that have left out have an opportunity to be part of uh, the new jobs, the new economy. You know, I was with the mayor of Dayton the other day, and I said, what do people think of the Valley and to technology? And, they, and, and she said, a lot of them think about it as uh, prosperity and, and the future. And people have a hunger for having some of these jobs, and in manufacturing or retail uh, or construction, a lot of them are going to be technology-enabled jobs. So what is Silicon Valley doing to help bring this technology innovation uh, across the country? And we've got to do a much better job of that. I think this election was a reminder to, to many people that uh, the economic growth and economic jobs have not been even around this country, and there are a lot of places left behind. The second thing is... Does that mean in decision, you're talking about deciding where they put open new, you know, construction sites or manufacturing yeah. sites or distribution uh, centers? Well, there's this thing in Silicon Valley called distributed networks, right? They don't, in, in technology, where they would distribute the servers and, and they yeah. didn't have them all concentrated. Well, why don't we need to figure out how do we have more opportunity uh, for jobs uh, in communities that aren't traditional? Let me give you a concrete example. Forty-five percent of African Americans who have STEM degrees, and I didn't know this till I got to Congress, uh, come out of the uh, HBCUs, historically black colleges mm -hmm. and universities. Now, the tech companies, we, we haven't figured this out. There actually was a Raiders coach back in the 60s who had this uh, uh, comparative advantage because he went and he recruited at the HBCUs, and no other professional team did, right? And so he got yeah. a leg up. And so one of the things that tech companies could do is say, look, we're going to put make concrete partnerships and investments with some of these HBCUs to build a pipeline. Mm -hmm. And we're going to expand our imagination from just recruiting at uh, Harvard or Stanford or Yale because they're talented people in, uh, in many other institutions. And if we have these shortages of engineers, uh, why aren't we looking at the HBCUs? Well, right. you've seen Google and Salesforce and others start to do this, but they could do a lot more of it. Okay. You could go to Youngstown and build partnerships of uh, put an office there or build uh, create apprenticeship programs there like they did in Paintsville, Kentucky. So I just think they they need to to think about where all the talent is, uh, know that it's not all in my district. It's uh, yeah. across the country. And how can they uh, help partner to to get those and, jobs? And on the democracy front? On the mean... dem well, that there's a there's a, a significant issue. Uh, one, you need better disclosure of ads, right? When you see an ad on television, as bad as it is, I've had negative ads run against me, you kind of, you know it's an ad, right? You know it's not the news. It's not uh, yeah. NBC. In fact, one of the ads against me, they started out with the anchor uh, saying the negative things to try to confuse people that it was the news. But you still know 
that the TV ad is a TV ad. So you have to have clearer demarcation in these in social media. What is an ad? Not that it's organic content. Let's have disclosure of who's who's spending those ads, and and you probably need regulation in Congress that you have to disclose that. So did they know the Russians were buying these ads? I don't think they. I honestly don't think they did because in the context of. $140 $140 million of digital ads, having 100000 or 200 or 400000 I doubt that they they knew that. That doesn't excuse them. They also have to, you know, with banks, for example, banks have this know-your-customer routine that they have to do to make sure that the bad guys aren't doing business. Uh, these tech companies are going to have to say, we're going to have to hire thousands of more people. We're going to have to put the investment to do better due diligence so our platform's aren't exploited. And uh, they've got to take those steps, one, to uh, to do better, to, to make sure they go after the bots, to make sure you have human review. I mean, I know in the, you start out with that Twitter account being suspended. And my guess, I don't know, but maybe there's some algorithm that found some offensive content or found someone reported it. Well, these things require judgment. You, you, you've got mm-hmm. to probably have many, many more people reviewing it. They've got to be schooled in the First Amendment and our traditions of the First Amendment. They basically have to adopt journalistic standards, I think, that newspapers and others have had uh, to say, look, now this is such an important domain for democracy. Uh, We have to have some third-party verification. We've got to have some alternative perspectives. You wouldn't uh, allow me to come on this show uh, and say, uh, you know, we're at war with a country that we're not at war with. You know, you'd (laughs) Say well, leave that we, to the president. You know, yeah, exactly. The White House can say <laughs> the that. The White House can. Right. Yeah, but, <laughs> but but you know, there's some standards of journalism. Yeah. yeah uh, right. Or when you were on, you know, Crossfire or other, you know, there were standards to it, and so they have to adopt some of those standards. And but but here's why ultimately I I still think on balance these are a, are good platforms. The same platform that allowed Donald Trump in part to become president. I do I don't think Trump would have been president without social media. You are so right. Yeah. Yeah. Also gave rise to Bernie Sanders and also gave rise to Barack Obama. These are platforms at their core that are anti-institutional that give people a voice. They are they're have been exploited. They can lead to polarization. They can lead to false narratives. The, the the challenge isn't to send don't want citizen speech. The challenge is how do we fix it and it, adopt the better better standards. I think that's spot on, and I think that's sort totally. of how the future yeah. of politics is going to be. I mean, we have the president of the United States who has forty million Twitter followers who are who's now retweeting random people who are just kind of praising him <laughs> and telling him how great he is, and it doesn't really have a much of a point. I'm like, you want to talk about an immediate signal boost you know like that's huge yeah it's huge and the and with the bernie thing i think you're spot on i mean there were a lot of people who felt like their voices weren't heard in their democratic party look at all the money he raised and yeah i was talking to someone i wouldn't go into his name and works with bernie sanders and he was saying that uh i think bernie has 26 million or something facebook followers that's more than some of the cable networks have. Right? It's like he's running a media uh, uh, office almost. True. And, and yeah. so True. the way we've communicated has, has changed. And in a way, it's that's a good thing that I, I tell my constituents all the time. I can go speak on the uh, House floor 
you could have a clever Facebook post and more people will pay attention yeah. if your post goes viral. <laughs> right, so right. we've yeah. democratized communication, but we've got to have standards. And uh, right. and I think that these tech leaders <clears throat> are thinking about that and a constructive conversation would be what more do they need to do? Uh, so have you ordered your uh, Apple 10 yet? My, my 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 wife has gotten the Apple Eight. I know we haven't we haven't made the uh, the Apple Tens. It's a it's a bit pricey, but we're, we're it's I, a I, real I, commitment, money wise. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, I'm a fan of of the the, the phone, but it's like it's a thousand bucks, twelve twelve hundred bucks, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've got I've still I've still got the Apple Seven. My phone still works. I don't know that I need the Apple X. Do, do you have the Apple Ten? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> uh, no, I'm still in the Six, I think. But I I'm I'm tempted. It's a, it's a, you know, the, the, the one thing, <laughs> someone had asked me, what, what's the first word that comes to mind with these tech companies? And with Apple, I said it was artistic genius. And I think that yeah. it's not a technology company as much as it's, a, it's an aesthetic company. I mean, Steve Jobs, had his most consequential class was graphic design. And uh, the, some of the young folks who want to work in Silicon Valley, I say, you don't have to always just be science or technology. You, you could be a philosopher. You could be mm-hmm. creative. You could take an arts class. Uh, there's so much of it is creativity. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, one other little bit of breaking news for California. I did get a call last night, Congressman, from uh, my good friend, State Senator Mark Leno uh, yes, in I California. Know Mark. He's you know Mark? Uh, who uh, called to tell me he is running for mayor of San Francisco. I love Mark. Uh, announced yesterday. Um, Good for he, him. He is a great, great guy. He has been a, a really class act in, as state senator, as assemblyman, as uh, supervisor in San Francisco, running for mayor. Uh, and um, I think he'd be a great mayor of San Francisco. You know, I, so. I think so, too. And and. Running for mayor of San Francisco is almost as hard as running for president. That's a tough. That's a tough race. It's a, you got to be is, a, yeah. tough. But Mark, here's the thing with Mark that that yeah. I've always admired, and I don't know him that well, and it's not like yeah. he's asked me to say this. I didn't even know he was running for mayor. He's a person of substance. He's a Absolutely. he's a thinker. He'll read the legislation. He has ideas, and um, and that's you know that's what our founders were about you know they 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 yeah. reveled in the details the most offensive part to me I mean there's so many things about this president but the most offensive part to me is that he brags about not reading he bra- yeah. he revels yeah. in yeah. ignorance and it's not that he is not who cares how smart he is i don't care if he has an iq of 160 or what whatever his <laughs> iq is 120 the point is an intellectual curiosity our founders, yeah. you know, they read the classics. They were the most educated, thoughtful, well-read people in the world. And and to be proud of your ignorance is uh, is just so antithetical to everything that built this country. Yeah, You represent so, Silicon Valley. You know a lot of smart people. I know one thing about smart people is they rarely brag to you about what their IQ is. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, yeah, they're, exactly. and they're often, you know, and this is the great thing about the Valley. They're play, I've... I've Right. Criticize these companies, and if you make an argument, they'll they'll disagree with you. But they they want to know that you're actually just thinking about the world. And even you know, I so disagreed with George W. Bush, uh, and Iraq was one of the biggest disasters. But even there, you thought that he he at least had the humility to understand that he didn't didn't know anything, or he should seek out advice. But with Trump, it's almost no. like he's made ignorance a virtue, yeah. and and he's bragging about it. Which is scary when right. you're talking about North Korea and right. you have your finger on the button and all of that kind of stuff. But back to Mark Leno, 
I great guy, great guy. He'll be a great mayor of San Francisco. He's got my full support, and uh, I'm excited that he's doing it. It's so good to see you, Congressman. Thanks I so much for coming it. in. I, I've been yeah. a fan, and I enjoy your show, and I uh, appreciate your voice being out there. You're very kind, and we'll get you back soon. Sounds All right, great. come back. Go get him. Thank when you. we come back, Sung Min Kim, who covers Congress for, is it Politico? You got it. Got it. Thought so. Okay. And yeah, she'll be joining us here in studio. Thank you. Thank that was you. fun. Thanks so much. It really was. It really was. Former liberal CNN, MSNBC, fake news host, Bill Press. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Live video. Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And on this Thursday, October 12, uh, continuing our roundup of the news of the day here on The Bill Press Show. Thank you for joining us. Lots and lots to talk about, and we are uh, grateful for the support of the International Association of Firefighters bringing you today's show. The men and women of our fire departments on the lines, not just in California, but especially in California these days, but all across the country, they're there every day on the front lines protecting American families under the leadership of President Harold Schaitberger. We salute them, thank them for their support of the program, and welcome uh, to the studio. Uh, Covering Congress for Politico, Sung Min Kim, who's out there with Front page stories on Politico <laughs> just about every day. Hi, Sungman. Nice to see nice you. Nice to see you, too. Uh, There's an interesting story this morning. You know, Republicans have made a lot of uh, uh, hay using Nancy Pelosi as a foil in congressional races, right? You mm-hmm. know, like they did in Georgia's third, yeah. for example. Mm-hmm. That for some conservative Republicans today, uh, they're not using Nancy Pelosi. They're using Mitch McConnell. <laughs> he has become the top boogeyman for the right. And yeah. it was pretty remarkable. I was at a press conference yesterday with a handful of other, or actually with a lot of other reporters, um, where you have these... Uh, you know, right-leaning groups. You have the Senate Conservatives Fund, who has spent money trying to take out Republican incumbents in the past. You had the Tea Party Patriots. You had Freedom Works. You had For America saying, basically, Mitch McConnell, not only Mitch McConnell has to go, but his entire leadership team has to go. So John Cornyn <laughs> on down to Roy Blunt. And they've met... These are re- and they're Republicans. conservative groups, Yes, right? they're conservative groups. They're angry about many about many things. But first and foremost is the failure to repeal the health care law. But they're also mad. They think that there's no progress yet on tax reform, which, to be fair, we just began in earnest. And this is going to be a multi-month process if it does, you know, eventually pass and go to the White House for a signature. But, you know, there's no there's no plan for a wall being built. The, the federal debt is still too high. You're still spending too much. And, no, and Obamacare is still the law of the land. And they're saying, look. Mitch, you've got to go. And that they also pointed the fact pointed out the fact that they're in recess this week and they're not working hard enough. Um, which uh, I mean, the Senate does come in on Monday evenings and leaves on Thursday afternoons. It's not a, it's not right. a bad job, no. but um, but I mean, and these groups have been mad at McConnell for a long time. It stems largely back to um, you know 
primaries in previous Senate cycles where McConnell and establishment Republicans worked to crush conservative challengers, made sure the incumbents were protected. They succeeded in places like, you know, Chris McDaniel in Mississippi versus Thad Cochran in 2014. But right now, with especially with Steve Bannon getting much more and more well, involved in the primaries, maybe they'll have more of an influence this I was going to ask you whether Steve Bannon was there yesterday. or He is was Steve, not. He was off he somewhere one, else. <laughs> is he the one who's kind of fueling all this? I think it gives these conservatives groups momentum because if you talk to these, you know, establishment Republican types, they'll privately dismiss them and say, like, no, like they've met these threats, they've made these threats before. Their their antipathy towards Mitch McConnell is nothing new, which is very true. But again, Steve Bannon and his pledge to take out basically every Republican incumbent except for Ted Cruz is uh, really fueling that fire. We asked the groups. Whether they were working in tandem with Mr. Bannon, they didn't say anything, but clearly it gives them that, you know, the extra kind of boost that probably wasn't there before. It's kind of fascinating to me at like how Donald Trump is being given credit as this political genius and Steve Bannon is given this credit as political genius. And I and I get that. Um, I mean, they certainly have come a long way with 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 what they're doing. But at the same time, there just seems to be a, a fundamental lack of understanding of how politics work. Um, you know, like, for example, the Bob Corker thing. I mean, he really needs Bob Corker to get his agenda done before Bob Corker leaves. And he's done everything in his power to make Bob Corker very, very angry. Mm-hmm. And if Steve Bannon is going to run around and start taking aim at some of these incumbents, I mean, say goodbye to any form of any kind of Trump uh Agenda. What are other Republican senators telling you about Bob Corker? So on the record, um, I think we yeah. tried to talk to several um, <laughs> Republican senators after the Corker comments. It's been a little difficult since they're all out of Washington. But um, a lot have said, first of all, um, they just need to stop the feuding. I mean, uh, uh, Senator Joni Ernst told my colleague Burgess Everett yesterday or a couple of days ago that the president needs to stop, but Corker just needs to stop, too. Just please stop. This public feuding is not good for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought as what Senator Roger Wicker said was pretty interesting. He is in McConnell's leadership circle, clearly close to his fellow Senate Republicans. But he said, I don't know kind of basically what made Corker say this, and it's clearly not helpful. <laughs> now, I will point out Senator Wicker is one of the eight Republicans up for re-election next cycle, and kind of the Bannon crowd has him next in sites and Chris McDaniel is assumed to run again a run again against him so there might be kind of that motivation there but it's um I mean these what Corker said in that New York Times interview is a culmination of kind of what Republican senators have been saying privately, privately. Yes. but in public it's they don't want to. They don't want to say this in public, whether it's because it's for their own political reasons. They don't want to further flame further flame this feud, which clearly isn't helpful for their legislative agenda. It's just put everybody in an uncomfortable situation. It seems to have quieted down a bit, but it has. It has been well, uncomfortable. Uh, another weenie who refused to uh, <laughs> say uh, much about it yesterday was the Speaker Paul Ryan. Mm-hmm. Who, who gives this sort of um, nonsensical response to the question about? Was whether or not he agrees with Corker or what should happen. Here's uh, Paul Ryan yesterday. I think it's just talk it out among yourselves. I think my advice oh, yeah. mm-hmm. is for, for these two gentlemen to sit down and just talk through their issues. Uh, I think that's the best way to get things done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just Donald Trump and Bob Corker sit down and, yeah. 
I thought Mitch McConnell's comments were pretty uh, fascinating for how little it said. Uh, he told reporters in Kentucky on Monday that Senator Bob Corker is a valued member yes. of the Republican <laughs> right. Conference, and he's a member of the Budget Committee. And we, we were like, yes, those things are true. They, yes, he is a Republican yes, senator. Right. He is on the Budget Committee. Um, but it's just, again... Maybe they will be more outspoken next week, or maybe this will have died down even more. But it's just been put everybody in an awkward position. But to the extent that that you're able to to talk to them even privately, is Corker saying publicly what many of them think privately about the White House? I think, in certain extents, yes. I mean, Corker has been pretty explicit about his concerns, and also, but you have to also remember that he's in a position to kind of be more familiar with what is going on at the White House, especially as it relates to national security and foreign affairs, um, because of his frequent contacts with the president, um, his top national security advisors, particularly over major issues such as North Korea and the fate of the Iran deal. So, um, I mean, there are definitely senators who are more in touch with the White House more than some other Republicans. But I think the fact that it was Corker and kind of his position, not only as the um, as the Foreign Relations Committee chairman, but also someone who has a reputation to think through what he says, you know, thoroughly before he says something. He doesn't he's not the kind of guy who just pops off. And I think that's why um, his words carried so much weight, not just with um, kind of the broader audience, but with Democratic senators who look at Corker as a serious guy and saying, if he's sounding these sounding off these warnings about are we headed into World War Three or all these things, they're taking Corker's comments very seriously. But the other thing I think is so interesting about that is like name a Republican senator who hasn't faced a little bit of grief from Donald Trump, right? Like he's given them plenty of great, like Ted, Ted Cruz, John McCain, sure. Lindsey Graham. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and granted, some of that was during the presidential election, but like they all want to tell Donald Trump exactly what they think of him, <laughs> right? Like, you know senators well enough yeah. to know that, like, they don't take criticism very well. Mm-hmm. But, like, Trump is the face of the party, mm-hmm. so they, at the same time, they can't really go out and bash him. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, though, too, and kind of the comparison with the Senate and the House. I mean, I agree that a lot of times, and a lot, and a lot of senators, depending on where what states they come from, they can't go out and bash him. Right. But, but some senators do have a much higher level of independence than your regular House member. So you have McCain speaking out. Uh, you know, you have Senator Graham, depending on one, day, depending on what the issue is yeah. or what the conflict <laughs> is, uh, saying something. Um, obviously, not, Susan Collins when, and Lisa Murkowski yeah. have not been afraid to buck him when necessary on policy or politics. So. But, uh-huh. So that makes so that makes it interesting, particularly when you have a such a narrow majority in back the Senate. To, back to McConnell for a second. You've reported that one of the on judicial nominations, mm-hmm. uh, McConnell is threatening or promising or mm-hmm. to get get rid of this blue slip rule. So he so what is, is the rule first of all, and what's he planning? So it's named after literally a blue sheet of paper. This is one of my favorite little oddities about the Senate. But there's been this tradition for a hundred years in the Senate that a judicial nominee, whether it's for the smaller district courts or the more powerful appellate courts, does not move forward with the consent of both home state senators of the nominees. So um, if I'm from Minnesota, I need sign off from both Al Franken and Amy Klobuchar to advance before my confirmation hearing uh, even gets scheduled. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that gives home state senators a lot of veto power. And during the Obama administration, during there were, um, depending on your count, at 17 or 18 
Obama nominees to the bench that were blocked by Republican refusing to return their blue slips back to the committee. So if you return it, that means you can go ahead with the hearing. But if you don't return it, you can not return it for any reason. And the Judiciary Committee has long kind of respected that veto power. So obviously it's an, it can be a major impediment to whatever president is in power, but it was abided by during the Obama administration. It was mostly abided by in previous inter, uh, administrations, although there's been exceptions in the past. But one powerful thing um, that Trump has been able to do is to install kind of a lot of conservative judges into the judiciary since he came in with a lot of vacancies. And now Republicans are increasingly wanting to get rid of this blue slip tradition, this blue slip rule. So Democrats basically can't block these nominees from the bench. And you have one example. You have David Strass from Minnesota, who has been nominated to the Eighth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals. He's important for many reasons, but one of them is he was on Donald Trump's Supreme Court shortlist during the campaign. So we know that he's being groomed kind of as a potential justice should there be another vacancy in the future. He comes from Minnesota, so two Democratic uh, Uh senators, and Al Franken announced a few months ago that he would not return his blue slip. He has so... In theory, if you abided by the tradition, this would end his process. But, you know, a lot of Republicans, Mitch McConnell on down, has said, you know, this blue slip rule isn't really a thing. It's it's more of a courtesy. It's not a rule, especially for these appellate positions. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be able to get this unilateral veto power. Uh, Interesting thing, though, is Chuck Grassley, the Judiciary Committee chairman, who hasn't yet been willing to say that he's willing to get rid of this rule. And you kind of saw this conflict emerge yesterday between Mm. McConnell and Grassley, where McConnell gives this interview to the Weekly Standard saying, you know, this should not be an issue to, you know, block qualified judges from the bench. And Grassley says, hold up. You know, the Judiciary Committee gets to committee chairman gets to decide who gets hearings and who doesn't. So there is kind of that interesting tension there. So uh, I don't know much about the Senate, but I know they're pretty heavy on rules. Yeah. They are pretty heavy <laughs> on rules. But you remember but this, these this, kind of it's been eroded little by little. We yeah, got rid of the filibuster. Yeah, for, yeah. But this sounds like the nuclear option and, you know, another version of the nuclear option. It does. And because um, first Democrats eliminated the filibuster for most nominations and then Republicans eliminated for Supreme Court court justices earlier this year, the blue slip rule is really kind of the only thing that the minority has in terms of power to block Mm -hmm. a lot of these judges from the bench, which is why it's so valued. And uh, Franken isn't the only one who's blocked one this year. Um, Wyden and Merkley from Oregon has blocked another nominee from Oregon. A lot of Democrats have Return blue slips for different nominees and let them advance, but this could, you know, come to a standoff pretty, pretty soon. Right. Songman Kim covers the Congress, particularly the Senate, for Politico here uh, in studio with us. Um, you mentioned uh, a couple of issues I wanted to ask you about. So, uh, Dreamers, uh, Donald Trump has thrown the issue to to Congress. There was talk about a possible deal between Trump and Nanchuk. Um, <laughs> That's great, Nanchuk. <laughs> Credit to Jen for Jen, Jen Bendry. For okay, <laughs> Jen, Jen Bendry from yeah. HuffPost. Uh, but it doesn't seem to be that the talk of that possible deal seems to have been di- dying away now. What do you hear? I think the is release anybody, is anybody is, working on it. Are any Republicans ready to go for a deal? Well, I think there are Republicans who do genuinely want to do something for these dreamers, both in the House and the Senate. But the release of these principles from the White House on Sunday night, which um, 
of all the provisions that they laid out, there's not a lot that Democrats would go for. So many of them are just automatic non-starters. They're not even negotiable with Democrats or even a lot of Republicans. And clearly it's away from that, you know, Dream Act and border security bill that was laid out at that dinner with the Democratic leaders. So yeah. um, some, some White House officials have told my White House colleagues that they see this more as an opening bid, as you know, so they don't expect to get anything, everything on this list or even a lot of things. They and it's, you know, it's the start of a negotiation. Why not just put everything on the table? But the wall was on yeah. the list and mm-hmm. Donald Trump said flat out the wall mm-hmm. would not be on the list. And I thought it was actually really interesting um, if you watched his interview with Sean Hannity last night when Hannity did ask him about this. And he says, so you're not going to so no DACA unless you get a wall. Right. Basically phrasing the question that way. And I thought it was kind of interesting how Trump answered the question. He actually went on and on about dreamers and how they are, you know, innocent. They did not come here by their own Mm. um, volition. They are doctors. They are teachers. They are contributing to the community. And they're saying, um, you know, he's like, and then he says, we want the wall, but at the end of the day, who knows what we'll get. So he seems to kind of take, if you ask him about it in public, he does seem to take a less of a hardline position than what official documents, which were written by his top domestic policy advisor, say, Stephen Miller, would seem to suggest. But he probably got a spanking by Stephen Miller after, <laughs> afterwards for saying that. How dare you get out yeah. of line here? There is something you should notice, too, if you if you look at kind of the, the messaging from Democratic lawmakers and immigrant activist groups lately. They're trying to really elevate Stephen Miller and point out that these the principles, they're not really Trump's principles. They're Stephen Miller's principles. And that is a very strategic reason probably, why they're, they're they doing that. I think they probably are. Yeah. So what do you think the chances are? What does it all add up to for a Dreamers deal before the end of the year? I think before the end of the year is really tough because technically you have until early March. Um, Trump has given Congress a six-month window. And uh, even the Republicans who genuinely do want to do something on this, they – want to do tax reform first. So let's kick so, the can down, down the to road. Down maybe January. All right. Like, so yeah. you're coming that it's going to be really hard for them to get something done on this. I think it's an evergreen statement about anything that Trump wants yeah, to this do. This is very true. All right. So, the, so let's go to tax reform. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. He keeps talking about it. Went out to Harrisburg last night to make another speech about it. Uh, we still haven't seen a bill. We don't have a bill, right? We basically have a list of tax cuts. Mm-hmm. I think... They're really talking, it seems to me, tax cuts, not tax reform. Mm -hmm. But whatever it is, they're running out of time. And it's just, I mean, they're... So health care was difficult for many reasons, but it was because it was such an emotional issue. Tax reform is also difficult because it's just there's so many complications in the tax code that it's just you know, like a game of whack-a-mole. You have this, um, you, you you know, let's say the leadership wants to take out all these deductions, but then you have these influential constituencies here and there just wanting to slam them back in. Uh, later today, House Republicans who are really angry about getting rid of that state and local tax deduction, they will meet with uh, top House leaders later today. I mean, these are the these blue state Republicans uh, who come from states that do have high tax rates like New York and California and doing this would really hurt their constituents. And that's a not small chunk of votes right there. So but then, you know, if you want to make this as deficit neutral as possible, um, that's not something that you can let go of very easily. And that just shows the 
difficulties of putting something together that can get, you know, 218 votes in the House and then a simple majority in the Senate. And in the Senate, let's remember, they haven't even yet passed a budget that allows kind of this fast track process to happen. Yeah. They are scheduled to take it up on the floor when they return next week. But again, like with everything, you're working with a very narrow majority here. Uh, you don't know what Bob Corker is going to do. Uh, people have viewed Rand Paul as a potential automatic no on this. So, again, very narrow majority you're working with. Right. Um, what? So 2018, um, Democrats are trying to regroup after the big loss last year. And, and f- focusing on House seats and on Senate seats as well. Mm-hmm. The map really favors the Republicans this year mm-hmm. or in, in 2018. Um, but do Democrats have a shot? They have a little bit more of a shot than they did perhaps a few weeks ago. And it's because, because? of Corker's retirement. First of all, well, you know, Senator Corker's retirement in Tennessee um, and also the fact that Doug Jones in Alabama is is at least in public polling single digits behind Roy Moore, the the controversial former Supreme Court justice in Alabama, who's now the Republican nominee. And again, major uphill battle. But then if you look, you you can start to kind of see the 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 path crack open, because if you look at Dean Heller in Nevada being pretty vulnerable, um, you have Jeff Flake in Arizona, who has a difficult uh, re-election challenge, both from the right in the primary, and then he has a, a serious uh, general election challenger. So there's your first two, and then you need a third. And again, it's the big leap to get to that third. But with Tennessee now being open and Alabama potentially being in play, Democrats are feeling a little better than they had been in recent weeks. But that means you would have to pick up Nevada, Arizona, and then one of the Southern Republican heavy states and hold all 10 of your incumbents who are considered vulnerable because they are up for re-elections, uh, re-election in states that voted for Trump last Who's year. Who's the most vulnerable Democrat? So we it depends on who you talk to people, but I think there's a consensus that um, the two most vulnerable are Claire McCaskill and Joe Donnelly, um, Missouri and Indiana. It's not because they come from the most pro-Trump states. That would be people like Joe Manchin mm. of, of West Virginia and Heidi Heitkamp of North Dakota. But, you know, for example, Joe Manchin, his approval ratings are high. He is just the kind of the classic Democrat for West Virginia. Yeah, he's threading and the needle there pretty he, well. He has definitely yeah. threaded the needle. He's allied with the Trump administration when he, he felt that it would benefit a state. Um, I think that uh, so McCaskill just got a pretty serious challenger in Josh Hawley um, that Republicans are very excited about. And so that's why they feel that she is the most vulnerable at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Sung Min Kim, thanks for your good work. Thanks okay. for having me. Being on top of it all and coming in and bringing us up to date uh, at Politico.com. That does it for us, folks. Have a great Thursday. We'll look for you tomorrow. This right here. is the Bill Press Show.